now we're going to record the podcast. Talk books. Are you ready? (laughs) Do it. (laughs) We came here through the storm, through the galing winds and the ice and, and rain. And now here you sit. So many, so many, so many damn books. Hello, everybody, and welcome to So Many Damn Books, A Blessing, A Curse, A Podcast. My name is Christopher, and I'm joined actually physically in the damn library by Jennifer Baker. Uh, Jennifer Baker was named the 2019 Publishers Weekly Star Watch Superstar for her work championing diversity in publishing. Her work has been nominated for a Pushcart Prize. An essay of hers was included in Best American Essays 2018. And she hosts a podcast called Minorities in Publishing that's been around since 2014. She edited a short story anthology called Everyday People, The Color of Life. And she's here to talk about her brand new novel. It's an incredible book. I'm so excited you're here. Uh, Forgive Me Not. Hi. Hey, Christopher. How are you? (laughs) Welcome. Wow, you, you have accomplished so much. It sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> List it all one after another like that. Got to make those bios shorter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so excited to have you here. I, I We met um, at a reading series a little bit ago. Um, Ditmas, I think. At, it was Ditmas Lit. At the yeah. Ditmas Lit and reading series. The... Oh, yeah. I got to read a little bit, yeah, which was did. fun. We heard from your wonderful novel. <laughs> and uh, I was so excited to meet you. And when I read the um, synopsis, I had, to, I had to read this book as soon as I could. So this, this novel features a character named Violetta. And so I was thinking about a drink inspired by this book. And first of all, I had to make sure that it wasn't alcoholic because... This book has has you know the heartbreaking beginning of the main character um, drunk driving and causing her sister's death, which is really heavy and hard hard way to start a book. So she's she's dealing with that in the um in in a juvenile corrections facility for the rest of the novel. And I was just thinking, there's so many flowers in this book. She's always thinking about flowers. There's her name is a flower, and I just thought a wildflower soda would be something that she would appreciate um, in her heart after after this ordeal. So I um, I found this. I have this honeysuckle flower that I've uh, dried honeysuckle flower that I bought when I was buying teas in bulk. Um, so that is really beautiful and a really interesting sort of earthy flavor. Mm-hmm. And then I made um, a lemon lime syrup by taking lemon and lime zest and leaving that in sugar for a few hours and that like brings out all the oils so it brings out a really nice lemon lime flavor yeah i've done it with the rinds where you take the rinds and you just put it in yeah that's always so good and then i poured this i found this botanical jasmine blue flower soda which is unsweetened so i had this fun (laughs) i had the fun task of sweetening it with these other things that i made yeah yeah and then topped it with an edible flower yeah it's very pretty everybody i just (laughs) want you to know i took pictures (laughs) (laughs) and it's you know i just feel like i wanted to give it she uh, she went through so much yeah and you were so kind to even ask too you were like would it be appropriate or as a mocktail and i was like thank you for thinking of that (laughs) well yeah i could personally use a drink (laughs) 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 the character should not right Right, that's the that was the conundrum. What was I gonna What was I gonna walk that line with? Um, but it's such it's a really tasty. I love messing around with um, mm-hmm. mocktails and trying to make something that's still extremely interesting, like right. that still has some layers to it. Right. Do you order mocktails when you're at restaurants? I do sometimes. I do f- feel like they've come so far. Like yeah, it have. used to be that you would get just like orange juice and some seltzer or something. And they're right. like, ah, right. <laughs> nice right. for you. Um, <laughs> And now there's all sorts of things that they're doing to it, which is, and I think that that's, you know, I feel like a lot of people are in this realm of they really still like drinking th- something yeah, cool. Yeah, pretty cool, inventive, yeah. But it's the, they don't need the alcohol part of it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of my friends are, are sober, and so that con- consideration also came up a lot more for me over the years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You host your own podcast. I, I do, I, yeah. <laughs> Minorities in Publishing. Um, 
how how did you start you started back in 2014 that's back when i started to like what brought you to it yeah my podcast partner and i bev so she's on the first year and a half of episodes we're both women of color or femmes of color in publishing and at that point you know 2014 we need diverse books had gotten very big with the online campaign and then they became a nonprofit. and it was talking about the need for more representation in books which is accurate and Bev and I were like, but what about those of us who are in the industry? We're not talking about those of us who are behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And so we just wanted to have conversations with other underrepresented people who worked in the industry. And it didn't just confine to book publishing, you know, proper, quote unquote, you know, like editors or um, publicists and stuff like that. We wanted to talk to booksellers. We wanted to talk to like everybody and everyone you know are you in sales are you in foreign rights are you and you know the thing when you start a podcast right is getting the guests yeah because you don't have any content yeah yeah at the beginning uh, and so that and then you also it's like we're asking pretty not invasive questions but you know sometimes people don't want to be on the record to talk right. about <laughs> certain things about the industry because we're talking about the industry you know it's absolutely like, I think authors are way more inclined to talk about their books um, and so then i got a lot more authors which is not a bad thing but i did want to talk to as many industry people to provide information on what do you do because i feel like like do people know what a literary agent does and mm-hmm. we spoke to several and they're like no they yeah. really don't know what my job is <laughs> <laughs> and i would say that that's one of the really cool things about your podcast is it's like a picture of the entire industry it's like a homogenous whole picture of like all the little parts that you didn't even realize you you walk away from you know your 100 plus episodes knowing a lot about how books are made in a way that i don't think other podcasts go into yeah which makes it very niche as a podcast which i'm i'm totally fine with (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) you're not gonna it's not gonna be serial and then (laughs) (laughs) let's solve a murder yeah (laughs) hey book murder there's got to be a couple um so where should where should people start if they're if they want to get if they're just hearing about it for the first time mm-hmm. and us talking about it now, where where should they start in the in the back? I mean, catalog? everyone starts with the first episode, which makes total sense. Uh, I do think maybe one of the episodes to start with might be there's a debut author episode that was very early on with like Leland Chuck and Mira Jacob and Brooke. I forget her last name. I feel awful about that. But I talked to two, three debuts, one who got published by a major publisher, one who did with the indie, and one who self-published. Ooh. And this really kind of cool. And I have like 15, 20-minute conversations with each of them about their experience. Wow. And I believe that's in the two or three-year mark. But yeah, it was just something where I'm like, well, let's talk about how each person's experience was. Um, wow. And they all had very interesting things to say. See, this I feel like needs to be like a required part of an MFA is knowing this stuff, like the business side of it and knowing like what it is actually like after you sell your work. I feel like it's an under talked about part of being a like a professional author. Yeah. And I was talking to all of them after the fact, you know, like a year for Mira was like a couple years after. So you have even more perspective in a way of what occurred. And how's it going now? I mean, when's uh, how's how's your next episodes coming together? Oh, slowly because the book came out. <laughs> now you've got other things. I know. You've got this incredible so, book. Yeah, yeah. So it's hit nine years in August of this year, and it'll be ten years. So I'm trying to figure out what I'm gonna do for the ten year. Right. Do you do anniversary stuff? Uh, I so many damn books. Yeah, we've done a few okay. things. Okay. Um, like annually, or do you pick the big milestone? Big milestone okay. numbers. You know, so at the hundredth episode, be 10, 10 years for you too. So, yeah. are you thinking about it? Is the, it percolate? It's like? back there, but I don't know. I it sort of feels like planning your own surprise party in some ways. It's just you know like what? that's a really good it's comparison. Like, yes. Okay, like I've got to get it all together and celebrate this thing that I'd <laughs> make. That's already hard enough to like get it all together exactly. to make just the thing. And it's like, what do I give you as a <laughs> gift for my labor? <laughs> I'll help you with the book giveaway if you want to do one, Christopher. <laughs> I know, <laughs> well, let's talk about let's let's talk about books. The the next part of this particular podcast show is called What Did You Buy? What 
bought too many damn books. <laughs> That's what what have you bought recently? What's crossing your desk? I got some of my pre-orders in Ooh. and I actually started it on the way here. Um, Creep by Miriam Gerba that came oh. out earlier this month. And I'm a huge fan yes. of Miriam Gerba. Her book Mean, I believe that was with Dorothy Project. No, no? that was with that one was with Coffee House, but Emily Books at oh, Coffee House. Right. Uh, but I think her other ones, because she did like a, another short story collection and stuff like that, too. Uh, so this is an essay collection nice. that she sold. And I just literally just started it. And of course, I'm in love yeah. with everything she's writing. Yeah. It's just amazing. And then um, Gary Gray Jr. and Ogamora have this book called I'm From. It's a picture book. And it's really, really good. That came out last week. And I picked that up from my local bookstore. And nice. it's a very lovely one for anybody, really, but for kiddos about, you know, just loving where you're from, you know, mm -hmm. loving all the things, the candy, your hair, going to the barbershop and them giving you a fresh cut, your neighborhood, your grandma. And so it's just a lovely celebration. That sounds so, great. Yeah, yeah. So I've been picking up a lot more books. Um, and it's also, I don't know about you, because you meet so many people, you're in New York, you're friends with so many people, you're a writer, you know too many people publishing books, oh, and yeah. you're doing the podcast, <laughs> right? So then you're like, I'm buying my friend's book. <laughs> yeah, you've got to. Yeah, yeah support yeah. your support your buddies, as well as my own, you know, silly interests that mm -hmm. pop up. Like, I, um, I just picked up this book, Strange Houses, Ooh. by Cora Jarrett. Um, the it book, looks like an old edition. The uh, like book came out in 1936. Okay. And it's one of a very early on body swap um, horror novel. And it's um, about a high society woman um, body swapping with a striptease dancer. Whoa. So I'm very excited to check it out. The, the, um, the little stub reviews that i found like searching the title online are all like an interesting sort of like curiosity <laughs> and <laughs> you know and it's really like a like they like a si they go to like a mad scientist and have their like a frankenstein yeah they they, a... they do it purposefully wow but then they've got like there's some ticking clock that if they don't get back in time they'll be stuck Oh, so like the usual, kind of the usual. The okay, usual, yeah. Regards. yeah. But it was like one of the first. Exactly. Wow. I want to hear how this is. Because <laughs> I'm like highly curious. I'm really curious too. I love body swap um, horror comedy. I just always think it's funny and or like interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. And then speaking of an another friend of the show, Jenna Rose Nethercott, mm -hmm. um, I just got her short story collection that's coming out next year in february we're already oh. getting the 2024 oh, yeah, books are. like uh -huh. in a real way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all the books that came to my house this week were 2024 publishing oh really books, which is just like you guys it's september no but they're on the ball they're like <laughs> so we want you thinking about this <laughs> and so this is short story collection 50 beasts to break your heart and other stories i i'm so excited i really loved thistlefoot it was such a great um time to hang out with her on the show oh, so yay. it's going to be an interesting i'm sure this is more of the fairy tale world that she was messing around with Ooh, i need to get more into these fairy yeah. tale worlds i feel like i've been rooted too much in the contemporary not a bad thing but i feel like i need to get back into kelly link's newest book and oh, it's oh. kelly barnhill who i also really like yeah 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 well you've been very much in the contemporary near real with yeah it's kind of speculative people have told me like it's kind of speculative forgive me not so yeah. i'm like oh okay but i guess so yeah yeah makes sense yeah so forgive me not tell our listeners hear what the book is about if they haven't encountered it yet yeah it's a dual perspective young adult novel so you hear from violetta and her brother older brother vince and they're two teens in queens new york and the the kind of twist as mm. i've been told is that in this juvenile in the way juvenile detention works in this world which is very very much rooted in ours is that the victim quote-unquote gets to decide what happens to a teen or a juvenile that's con um, 
kind of not quite convicted, but accused of a crime. So if someone broke into my car, if I had a car, uh, then I would be able to say, this is what should happen to this teen or person. And in that way, it could be forgiveness, which is kind of like, you know, go on with your life. It's fine. Mm -hmm. It could be, oh, you're going to be incarcerated for a certain amount of time. Or you can do this form of quote unquote restorative justice that's called the trials, in which case you would um, you it's a form of rehabilitation. That's what they say in the book. They're like, oh, we're helping them. We're rehabilitating them. But it's really not. Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't say it's like nefarious either. It's not Mm. like they're they've got evil on their. No, they're doing their job. They think that they've they're like figured it out. Which is actually how, if you've ever spoken to folks like, you know, prosecutors and like, because in New York City, especially in RDA in Queens, New York, where this takes place and where I'm from, most of our district attorneys who you elect have always been prosecutors, Mm -hmm. not people who defend, not people who do other things. It's like people usually who go to these areas of legal, sorry, not legal, but like elected positions are prosecutors so they are going after people (laughs) consistently they have a very specific viewpoint that's what they yeah that's what they've been told to do and have been yeah lauded for for their entire careers yeah did you know you were writing a ya book when you started was that like the goal from from page one for this one yeah because i write short fiction mostly you know in the mfa world That's really kind of, I mean, it's not the only thing you can workshop, but it's kind of the best thing to workshop because you get the full circle of a critique rather than like, well, guys, in in chapter 10. (laughs) (laughs) So I always workshop short stories because I was writing mostly collections for adult audiences. Uh, And so but this particular idea seemed best fitted for teens Mm. because I really wanted to explore the fact that teens would have theoretically even less power because adults are making all these decisions and I wanted them to have agency even though it appears like they don't Mm. Uh, but you know it just seemed to make even more sense to me if it was in the world or in the realm of juvenile detention and not adult detention was there anything you did writing wise as you were working on the voice that you were like okay this is for YA in particular or after after deciding like oh i'm gonna write this for teens was that the last time you sort of thought about yeah because it's in first person yeah and i had to know their voices and their voices came pretty quickly yeah and so i don't know how it is for you christopher but if i don't have the voice down then i know it's not working you know what i mean so even if i'm like well plot who knows (laughs) but the voice is good (laughs) if the voice is consistent so that i could be able to slip in and out of it because they respectively they both kind of sound like elements of me mm-hmm. right like vince is a bit snarky and and violetta is a bit more like reserved and poetic in some ways so those are can be how i sound as a writer or how i sound as a person right mm-hmm. or both um and so that was kind of quote-unquote easy to slip into it's the machinations of the world and the rules which were the biggest challenges because i they just came to me. They just really came to me very early on. The rules to incarceration. No, the, the, oh. who they were. Okay. Like who they were as people, respectively. What would happen? Like I knew what happened in the beginning and I knew what happened in the end immediately. And so the first four chapters and the very last chapter didn't change. Like they got wow. more refined. Yeah. But in terms of like what happens and the overall structure and stuff like that, those did not change that much. Mm. Was, was either... POV harder or was there something surprising? Violetta's was harder because she's the catalyst for all of it. And then there was a point towards the end, uh, I guess like the three quarter mark where I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. (laughs) Because there was just a point I had to get her towards the end. Cause again, I knew where it ended. I'm like, I know where this goes. I wrote the last chapter. So I know this happens. But I couldn't get her to it in a real way. And so issues I usually have in initial drafts is I have way too many characters, Mm -hmm. way too many. And so I was like stripping people, combining people, throwing people away, 
killing a lot of people to the point my agent's like, could you maybe not kill that person? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure. I could not do that. <laughs> I had Violetta doing a hunger strike at one point. Ooh. Yeah, because I was just trying to get her to like make something happen because I don't want to reveal it, obviously. You've read it. so. <laughs> but like there was this point I just needed her to get to the end and make a decision. Mm -hmm. And I had a hard time having that moment that would tip her over to make this decision right but for vince it was very much like everything pretty much stayed consistent for him it was just like tightening chapters or, did, or moving chapters for him hers was a lot more difficult plus she's in a world that's very different than the yeah than the real yeah. world she's super isolated yeah so, so isolated yeah. yeah i mean in some ways there's a there's an element of campus novel in this because mm, of like yeah the yeah real, yeah the, the rules of the world is always and the friendships that she has very closely oh yeah. i mean it is also that early friendship makes for one of the early heartbreaking moments another one mm. when one of these um girls finds out yeah finds out that she's forgiven mm -hmm. she is forgiven mm -hmm. by the people that have brought the her her victim's mm -hmm. family mm -hmm. And then she finds out that they've rescinded that forgiveness. Mm -hmm. That is horrifying. Like that. Right. <laughs> right. Can you talk about creating this, that moment? Because that was a real, like, Oh my gosh, like a rug pull. Right. Right. I, I kind of needed something to showcase that this was not as clear cut as it seemed. Right. And that is how the law works to an extent. It's like, Oh, so it should work this way, but it doesn't mm. depending on the person, depending on the situation. And Petra was actually, there were two people. There was Petra and someone else. Mm -hmm. And so what happened with Petra always happened with Petra, but she didn't have like the scars. Okay. So there was this random character who was just like a ghost in all honesty. She was just mean and angry all the time. And she was covered in scars and she was just like this morose like character who's just like, everything's awful and no one cares and, da, 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 da. and at some point i just merged them mm -hmm. so i took the scars from yeah. that character and put them on petra and then just flesh petra out a bit more to have a bit more life huh yeah like i don't know like how a... i had that character <laughs> it's it seems like there's like a ghost of the novel that you're aware of of like what it was because you're still so close to the process of writing it yeah yeah because it's been eight years like technically from the i started it in 2014 i looked at, i keep every draft i don't know about you but i keep every draft and rename it mm -hmm. and redate it um so i looked and i was like holy crap i started this in 2014 i sold it in 2020 shockingly like around this time in 2020 uh -huh. my agent sent it out on yom kippur not expecting a lot of because it's a holiday uh -huh. and so an editor my editor was very quick she's like i'll read it overnight wow and i was like no she won't <laughs> <laughs> and she did yeah um and so and then that was two years of editing so it's eight years total on and off of me working on this singular book wow. that finally came out in 2013 23 sorry wow so you, you do live with it in a way and then at the same time you're supposed to write another book <laughs> <laughs> you're like i'm still that talking one, about this one <laughs> that one took eight years so i'm gonna hold on to it for just a little longer just like give me six months at least <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time i mean you know you know from be talking to so many different people and being in this world that like you have to jump on the, on your chances and you have to work fast when and strike while the iron's hot and all of yeah. that stuff yeah yeah it's hard it's a hard thing to do because you, you still want to have those connections because mm -hmm. it's literally been a little over a month for me at this point it's not like oh yeah the book came out in february so da, da, da. it's like it hasn't really even had a life yet right <laughs> you still have you're only halfway through two yeah dates. yeah <laughs> like literally <laughs> the base of this book there's this tension between the idea of like restorative justice that's put up against like bureaucracy and government and like can government administer restorative justice 
And it seems like you have an answer to that in your in your mind as you're reading this, that the answer is like, no, no, they can't do it. <laughs> but uh, that that conflict seems like simmering at the bottom of this. Yeah. Um, is that simmering all the time for you as yeah. you're in your life? I mean, more so now, especially as I've read more about abolition and, and stuff like that. So. I mean, when I started the book, I will be very frank that it was really the idea of what would things look like if victims were able to make a choice in this and what does forgiveness look like? Like those were the two big questions for me as a novelist or what have you. And then it was the characters, but also understanding I wanted this book to be different because in young adult novels thus far, it's not all of them, but thus far, there's a discussion about criminal justice that really isolates to the person. Mm. And so we're kind of looking at the system, but kind of not because people are so focused on the individual. And so you're not always understanding how the system works. I think Monster is one of the ones that is a bit different. Or Kim Johnson's um, is Invisible Son that came out earlier this summer. Uh, she talks a little bit about it because you see the consequences for a kid who's been accused of something that he didn't do. Mm-hmm. So he has like the um, kind of shackle to an extent, the, the monitor, the leg monitor. Mm. And so you, you see that. And at the same time, it's just like, well, the system sucks and this person's innocent. But I didn't want to explore innocence or guilt. I wanted to explore how we treat people when they have been put in this situation and thus far then from there you have to think about how does the system work in a real way and she feels guilty yeah like she she admits it it. she's like i did this absolutely and to the extent some of the other women around her they did but all their circumstances are different right like serena petra everyone's circumstance is different and it's not even heard what happened like none of them are saying well Eve does right she's like whatever all I did was this that's what they said I did but the other ones are like no I did it but there was a reason for what happened but no one's listening or cares about the reason and well what do you do then and then when you have Vince's perspective you see how the family's being manipulated they're like like, this is effective system right we have great data the stats are good i can tell you this is great rehabilitate you know that like mechanical kind of politic politic you know like yeah and you you made that into a character there's a very frustrating yeah randall guy who's just who's like there to administer he's there to do his job yeah He's there to do his job. And so if you see that in a different way and you're not just like, oh, this kid is innocent, but they're being. So then the focus becomes their innocence. But are you thinking about does the system in its entirety not work or in this instance, the system doesn't work? Whereas Mm. in my book, I kind of like the more I stuck with it and the more I was like more questions and more, you know, you unravel a lot more. It's like, no, but we need to question the system. But I have to show you how it works. And I have to show you how culpable people are to believe yes. in it. And you still have to put people in enclosures. Yeah. You still have to label them in some way. They have to be marked and branded like she is when she goes through one of her trials and she notes it's like, I am branded, basically. Right. Uh, you're not changing. They didn't, they're like, we changed the system. And you're like, but you didn't. Right. <laughs> They're like, it's less racist. It's more cost effective. Isn't it great? And it's like, no, it's actually not. (laughs) But we've gone with it because you told us this was good and it didn't affect me until it did. And and that's how I feel like we are. I include myself in that. We're all like, okay, well, this is how it is. And we do have our frustrations and we do what we can. And at the same time, there's a big aspect of like, well, we kind of go along with it because Mm. we're just trying to survive every day um and that happens that's a very human thing what are you hoping for the teens to take away do you have you thought about that as as now teens have have the book in their hands yeah hopefully (laughs) school's in so yeah (laughs) there's a reader's guy (laughs) (laughs) yes let's drop the educator's guy (laughs) penguinclassroom.com i want them to know they have agency and they have power and so that was the biggest thing for me is 
that's why it's teens because i was like i know that i can give them something to fight for in themselves Mm -hmm. in the midst of everybody making these decisions for them and thinking they know best and and all that so i really want teens to come away i would love for them to question the systems in place and i don't know if this would radicalize them but i want them to question it and be critical of Mm -hmm. things that are in place but also i want them to be like wow you know even though she's detained she has power and she can make a choice for herself and what that choice results in is what it results in but she can make a choice i mean you feel for her this whole time that's something that you're so close to her you really feel her guilt coming up against her annoyance at this system that that goes beyond annoyance annoyance is a very light way of putting it but that's and where confusion, it starts right yeah like annoyance and confusion yeah she's like i want to do it like she's like i'm ready to do the work she's like right. she's she does think like maybe this will help me mm-hmm. but but <laughs> <laughs> dot 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 <laughs> Take me to the 80% mark in working on the book. How did you push to get to the end? Because I feel like people talk about the beginning, they talk about the end, but I feel like that, that point, that very, that like, I just have to, a little bit left is a really hard milestone. Right. I write in pieces, so I don't write chronologically. For short stories, I kind of do now. But for novels, I don't. Uh, so it, even I started a new novel because I was like, screw novels, man. I'm going back to short stories. This is awful. <laughs> but now then I started a new novel. <laughs> um, well, it's adult novel, but I'm writing it in pieces. So I'm like, I feel like I know where it ends, but I'm writing in pieces. So that's how Forgive Me Not was. I was constantly writing in pieces. And then you put the pieces together and you're like oh okay so I have part one okay so I have part three okay so I have part two ish or Mm -hmm. something like that and so it would just be me kind of cobbling those pieces together and I think once I got an agent it helped because I had something I'm like I don't know if this is great or good but I have something and she was intrigued by it and then she's an editorial agent so that was helpful to get feedback Yeah, because I had gotten early feedback, but then I was, I just pursued it out by myself. And then I'm not monogamous in my writing practices. I don't know if you are, but I'm writing four different things at a different time. Mm-hmm. So I'm not like, oh, I'm only working on Forgive Me Not for eight years. It was, no, I was writing multiple things. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't just turning on the Forgive Me Not. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what day. helps me is that if I'm stuck, there's just some go else. here go to an essay go to a short story go to here go to there it elongates the process but it helps me just get breaks from it and that it's what helped me figure out certain things that weren't working hmm. i think the the hardest part was when i got the detailed edits from my editor because she does long editorial letters and i'm not even being facetious when i say that and she's very detailed and so i was like she's like so this isn't working and i'm like well, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's due in two months. So you're like, ah. So I got even more stuck. That's where I got really stuck. When I had, when you have the time, it's not that you don't get stuck, but there's a freedom. But mm-hmm. now I didn't have the freedom. I had to meet a deadline to get this book out. And because I worked in publishing, I know what the results will be if I don't meet some of these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. There's like an old writing adage, like to write from anger, to like mm. write from a, an angry place. Do mm-hmm. you agree with that? Do you feel like you were writing from an angry place while you were working on this? You know, I write anger a lot because anger feels easy to write. So I don't write from an angry place all the time. Not in my writing writing. I think when I do a blog post or sometimes an essay is coming from anger, like my um, EL essay, my electric lit, the black women are being erased. Uh, that was coming from logic, but also frustration, like a deep-seated frustration of like, can we just say what needs to be said? <laughs> uh, but my fiction rarely comes from a place of anger. It comes from a place of curiosity. Oh. Yeah. So that's where it is. Like my that's nonfiction is probably. Yeah, like my <laughs> nonfiction probably is more anger. Fiction is more curiosity. Hmm. Because you're asking questions? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, most of my novels. I mean, if, if they don't start off, start off with a very clear, or my fiction, if it doesn't start off with an idea, it starts off with a question. So Forgive Me Not was a question. And then the characters and world formed from there. Like the novel I'm working on now is an idea of an exploration of like friendship and stuff like that. And then the short fiction that I'm working on, like speculative specifically, where that is very like speculative, even more clearly to me. Those are questions. Mm. Yeah. Each story is like a question of like, oh, huh, what would happen if you went to this abandoned whatever? And this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I, I do want to commend you on your um, uh, evocations of these voices because I listened to the audio book. I still have to. I have um, it. <laughs> Tyler Collier and yeah. Ryan Alexander Holmes. Yeah. But and they're both actors. Like, yeah. They're both actor. Like this was actually Ryan's first audio book. Cool. I recommended him because he is part black and part Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, I think it would be great if he can do it. Um, and then the, the actor strike hit. So I was like, I think he might have the time. <laughs> <laughs> can we lock that down if he's interested? That's awesome. Yeah. And Tyler does like voice narration, but she's also been on Broadway. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's such a great... It, I mean, they really got the chance to perform. Wonderful. As they read. See, because, I'm excited because like, you're the second person who said that you've read, listened to the audiobook. So I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to listen to it. Yeah, it's really cool. Yay. Yeah, it's really it's really something special. And actually, I um I listened to the audiobook of the novel that you recommended to me. Oh, Pet? Yeah, Pet oh, yeah. by um Akweke Amezi. Who reads it? Does Akweke read it? No, Christopher Myers reads it. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And it is fully, I highly recommend listening to this book because especially if you've already, if you already have read it and and you're thinking about rereading it, his evocation of Pet's voice. Oh, wow. He does this whole like deeper stentorian sort of voice that's so like nice and it's in this interesting register that if you're wearing like can headphones that like can really pull you deep it's pretty cool oh okay i'm kind of surprised i thought they would have gotten a femme voice yeah i was surprised when it started because and i was just like oh it's because he reads a sort of introduction okay and so i was like oh it's interesting christopher myers is here yeah and he (laughs) was the publisher so that's (laughs) even more he got another paycheck, like, or maybe he didn't. Maybe he did it pro <laughs> He's just like, I, I'm the only one <laughs> who can bring it. So, but Pet is sort of a simple-ish idea for a story of this um, this main character who is the um, daughter of a artist who goes into her mom's finished piece and ends up falling onto it and there were razor blades around and the blood from this accident brings the figure in the painting to life and says that there is trouble in this world and we're in a world where justice has prevailed right it's a utopia yeah we're in a we're in a social justice utopia yeah and I think that that's some some of the most fun writing is right at the beginning where it starts in this very fabulistic explanation of how we have come to this place where all of the bad people were taken away and no one's a billionaire and all mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. all of the utopian ideals are mm-hmm. and and then the way that that sort of pulls away and then focuses in here it was very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell me about why you brought it on onto my desk. What what? How do you know the book, and and what's your relationship to it? I love that book so much. It got a lot of press. Like people were talking about it a lot when it came out, and Okweke was a finalist for the National Book Award with that book, and I just fell in love with it. I teach it whenever I do like talking about voice or looking at sentence structure or anything, I'm like, okay, so we're going to talk about pet yeah, and talk about the beginning because that first line, right? There shouldn't be any more monsters. Mm. And I usually ask, I said, what word in that sentence is doing the work mm-hmm. and setting up everything? 
and, and they're like, oh, shouldn't. And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> like how one word does so much in the first line. And like you said, that how it eases in so well of like, let's give you the history lesson. And then we're with the teenager and the teenager is listening to this history lesson, but questioning it. And that's like on page three. Yeah. And it's so seamlessly done. And and Quake writes pretty tight. Like Quake's novels and fiction is pretty short. Like they're not doing epic tomes. No. Um, and so I, I just love it. And I love the full circleness of it. Um, you know, like we talked about the trans rep in it in that it it she gets to be trans and it's not the focus of the book and she's not there's dealing no with conflict. awful yeah there's no issues with that you know like anti-trans you know it's like and if you read bitter which is the prequel that came a few years after is very much in sync so i reread pet after rereading reading bitter and there's so many things that is hinted in pet mm-hmm. that comes out in bitter because you learn about the origins yeah of, of the yeah you learn that this happened before early on yeah you see what happened um pet is my favorite of the two i i, I lean towards it but i just think it is so expertly done mm-hmm. uh, the, i love the writing i love the the voice of it all of that stuff it's just so so good and it has such a great message without being messagey yeah you know i love the um forms of communication that are on you know that yeah like she doesn't speak like she, she often doesn't yeah, yeah. so so then when she does use words or when someone it, who isn't very close with her uses signs with her mm-hmm. like it's it's a great extra shorthand which you know you never right. think about that stuff when I, I don't know it so many things that feel like they could be um difficult to write I feel like also ease up other ways of yeah connecting yeah. and even the pet you know oh. the way that it speaks and the way that it is so empathetic like when the parents are arguing and it shuts the parents down and is like you are scaring your child yeah and they're like what and it's just like yeah and again like this teen is gaining agency because she's like i'm questioning things i don't believe y'all something's off what's going on and the pet is like no yeah we need to kill some people Mm -hmm. (laughs) she's like hold on (laughs) no no no, we need to kill some people yeah we're hunting (laughs) you're not ready to hunt (laughs) what's going on and i'm like listen this is biblical (laughs) that's what they do in the bible (laughs) She is a fascinating character because she's questioning everything, but she also has a lot of answers for her own life. Like she's always, um, she makes interesting conclusions, I guess is like the kind of cool thing about her. Yeah. I just love when people question, because I think I'm a questioner and I wasn't as a teen. I just totally. did what people, I was like, all right, I got to get A's. I got to do this. I got to come in at 830 and da, 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 da. Drink and now this Kool-Aid and then. Yeah. Right, right. And now I question things, not in a way of like, why am I doing this? It's like, no, it's like be a decent human being. I got to pay taxes, rent, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but there are things I question of just like, well, why are we doing things? And people don't like that at all in a capitalist society. <laughs> <laughs> I love the rules of, um how pet could show himself or not show mm-hmm. a- and all of that stuff. It reminded me a little bit. I was thinking of um, that Jimmy Stewart movie, Harvey, where he's the oh, only with one the rabbit. You can yeah. see the rabbit that's sort of commenting on everything. Right. We um, haven't seen that in ages. It's, uh, yeah. I haven't seen it in a while either, but I, I think that there's a fun, um, that's a fun tradition, a fun genre to be in the, mm. the powerful, figure that only you can see that but is really there you know it's not like in your in that one character's head and that's never part of the worry either which is so fun for me when i'm reading Mm -hmm. something speculative when they take away immediately that it's just in someone's head yeah yeah and when it's just like the reality of the book is yeah you can pull a monster from another world in a painting that's that yeah, happened yeah yeah and it happened before yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's here to help technically. <laughs> 
That is not a spoiler because it's pretty evident that she's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. working along with Pet. Yeah. Although you do wonder, like his help, is it? Do you mm. want this help? It's sort of it is a question throughout throughout the pages. Yeah. yeah. You know because it it is violent. It, yeah. Yeah. He he does have like a a subsumed violence that mm-hmm, you're worried mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm. How is this going to act? What is when he's called to action? Right. What is that going to do? What is right. he going to do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I again, you know, I'm reading it and in, in my adulthood, right? So I'm just like, do what you got to do, pet. Yeah. <laughs> they like, probably deserve protect it. Protect the babies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, <laughs> I, I do wonder what a teenager who isn't like, you know, I, I'm seeing, you know, plot matrix pulling like mm-hmm. as I'm reading these types of books. Um, I mean, I feel like I this is a hazard of being in the industry as you end up like getting a little too like. Yes. But yeah, I wonder how how a teen is reading this book and what they take from it because it is it's so complicated in in some ways but it's also it's very simple at the bottom i mean like it's not mm-hmm. actually complicated which is sort of fun right right and i think also because i haven't i'm going to have more chances to talk with teens in the coming months mm. but i've only gotten to talk to one teen about my book in particular oh okay of, and that was briefly of and i am curious to that too because again it's like you're bringing the adult you're bringing the the writer you're bringing the artist you're bringing like this form of construction to it where you're like this is such a well-crafted book and then someone might be like yeah i like this about it and you're not even thinking about it because you're like look at the words (laughs) (laughs) aren't the words beautiful (laughs) and the kids are like it's just a cool story and you're like wow i wish i was that pure yeah (laughs) or the other way too sometimes i i feel like I'm the one who's like, it was just cool, wasn't it? And then like other people have, have oh, the, like it, all these heady thoughts. Yeah. I'm like, wow. I yeah, just sometimes the kids have the heavy thoughts. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely and seeing things from a perspective or connecting with people you didn't even think about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like when I spoke to the young man, I met his parents too, and he's like, Callie's my favorite character, and I didn't even think about that for my book. Like yeah. Callie is Violetta's best friend from other you know like she's on the outside um, yeah and so she you know they experience things together well she's she is she is bright i mean she is like the a moment of brightness Mm -hmm. whenever she shows up on the page you're so glad that callie's there for her (laughs) so i wonder about that with pet if there's like something that a teen is like that's maybe small to me that is big to them Mm. um that i'm not seeing because i'm just so focused on certain things of craft because I feel like pet and my book are in conversation in some regard. Oh, totally. You know? I mean, like forgiveness yeah. is at the bottom of both of these right, books. Right, right. And punishment. Yes. And what is criminality? And what all is that justice? Stuff. Right, right. In the face of. Right. Hmm. You had this sort of forgiveness question at the beginning of writing your mm-hmm. book. Do you feel like you've answered it for yourself? Is that something? Is that well, that's thanks to therapy. Chris. Oh, <laughs> the, the ther- not the book, the therapy. <laughs> the therapy helped me get there. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think the book helps them get there. Because mm-hmm. uh, for me, I realized that forgiveness is, again, for me, it's it's the willingness to do better and the intentionality behind that. Yeah. Because, I mean, this is why I'm divorced. But, you know, it was words. Like so many people I've dealt with in life to this day, right? It's words. Mm. I'm sorry. That won't happen again. And then it does. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, just like me now. And let's not even, I'm not going to process that I did something wrong. I just want you to just not be mad at me right now. Right. It's it's the minute by minute thought and right. not the like right you realize that it'll be a week from now soon too yeah (laughs) and you can kind of see it in people's faces like sometimes i'm like wow you are not processing what i am saying at all and we're just going to do this again and i'm going to be really annoyed with you (laughs) um and so for me it's like if you are a person you have to take people for who they are or where they're at right that's Mm -hmm. just like a natural way of life and 
if I know that you are a person who is not really intentional about being good to other people, respecting where other people boundaries and stuff like that, then we can't do business like yeah. in any way, shape or form. Um, but if you are, and that is work that you're willing to do, then to me, it's like, okay, well we can move on. Yeah. If you don't forget, you move on. And even Violetta says that she's like, I don't want to forget. I want to move forward. Yeah. Forgiveness yeah. is hard. Yeah, yeah, like someone was like, you well, wronged what if you someone. do this? And I'm like, I don't know. That's another book. Yeah. <laughs> like, I couldn't get that into this book. Yeah, you could. There's your, <laughs> there's your series just sending <laughs> sending these. I mean, I, I saw a quote from you that you said you were had other trials. You had like, you wanted to put mm -hmm. her through far more. I wanted to put her through three because technically she has two with the option for a third. Right. And that's where I actually got stuck, Christopher, is I was trying to think of a third mm. trial for her. And then I realized I didn't necessarily need one. Right. Because <laughs> that was going to be the turning point. The right. That third trial was going to be the turning point. This was early years, right? This was in the first two, three years of the writing of it. So I think I was in that mode of like, I must put her through a lot. Yeah. And it's kind of like, but you have put her yeah. through a lot. You're not trusting that, which I've now come to like give as a critique to other writers. Mm -hmm. is, okay, if they have this, do you need this? Like, do you not believe what you've set up is enough to keep someone invested? Mm -hmm. And and I think, again, I'm curious to your thoughts about this, but like, I see that in writing and in cinema, right? Where it's like, well, why are we going that far? Like, what is this doing for the book, the plot. Um, and in some ways it's like, it's just entertainment. Yeah. But in books, I feel like it's different sometimes when we push it to the brink. You have to think about what, where you're at in the emotional journey to find the truth at it. Yeah. And with young people, it's different. You know what I mean? Like something, a friend of mine, Mike Jung, who also writes for young readers he said, you know, I could be introducing or no, maybe it was my friend Alex Gino, who also writes for young readers. But one of them said I could be introducing a teen to something very harmful. And, and then what do we do within our work if we are introducing them to something that they have never experienced that could be harmful? Totally. Um, and, and how do we take care of them, too? Whereas I think I'm not saying we don't care about adults when we write for adult audiences and we know. Young but we just figure read. they can take care of it. Yeah, but with teen, you do, there's like some care there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, you I don't want to do this to care. do it. You know, yeah. I don't want to just be violent to be violent. I, I want it. It does, is violent need, needed, A, but B, if I'm putting it in there, what is it doing? Which mm -hmm. is why we did have the dreamscape with the, where you see what happens the night of. I did think people needed to see what happened the night of and this is not a spoiler so to speak i guess but like i had you see her body yeah after what happened and i took that out mm. um, because i was just like yeah i'm just kind of feeding into something i don't necessarily want teens to deal with i don't huh. want them to remember viv that little girl yeah like that yeah well there's so much care in this book and oh, uh you. there's there's it's totally riveting um, both of these books, actually, I read them very close together and um, they just uh, they really do that full on page turning thing. Oh, thank you. Um, where you really you want to know what's going to happen. You want to know how you do want to know how, how she's going to get out of this one. Okay. Um, or if she does. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. So, yeah, I just I, I think that the, these both are are. Um, I'm so glad you brought Pet into my life and um, I'm so glad to have read Forgive Me Not and we are now in the point of the show where we recommend things. So obviously, yes, yes, we recommend. We both co-sign. Yes, Pet. Pet. By Akweke Ameze. Go and, go and get that for sure and then so of course, good. Forgive Me Not. Thank you. What else, <laughs> what else are you recommending to the people? Books, movies, music? Oh my God, I hate it when it's like, I love this. Oh, Boyfriend Material mm. by Alexis Hall. So I was in Chicago for a work conference recently, and I went to Unabridged Books, which is an LGBTQ-owned bookstore in Chicago. Super friendly staff, wonderful folks. And I just said, I like Casey McQuiston's books. Mm. Do you have a complimentary 
type book like that because I just wanted something light. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, listen, I've been reading some heavy stuff. Yeah. I need light. Uh, can you like a rom-com? And they were like, oh, have you read Boyfriend Material by Alexis Hall? And I was like, I have not. Mm-hmm. Point me to it. And they gave me this wonderful bookseller just recommended to me. I started on on the plane back home Mm. and it is so good. If you are looking for a rom-com, it is a queer romance to men in Britain. And basically one needs a boyfriend and this guy he hates Mm -hmm. is, or he seemingly hates as someone he's like, well, I need a boyfriend for my job. You know, they're going to fire me and I need to present myself. And it's kind of homophobic. And all the reason he needs a a, bo- a proper boyfriend is Ooh. because the donors to the nonprofit he works with um, are like, well, his his antics, because there's a whole thing, because the main one of the main characters, he's the son of a rock star mm. and he had problems with like alcohol but he's actually gotten better but the tabloids follow him and they found him on a day that was just a bad day he was not drunk he was not it was just a bad day Mm -hmm. so then donors see it and they're like well he's he's doing these sexual antics and oh my god and so he's like okay this is screwed up but i need this job and so he goes to this guy who he's met and his friends like you will love each other and he's like i hate him mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course what ensues is that they start dating and things happen nice. and it's just really funny yeah it's sweet and it's but i needed something funny yeah um and boyfriend material and there is a sequel i think it's called marriage material i could be wrong but yeah. they're getting married they're engaged <laughs> <laughs> in the sequel <laughs> So you kind I kind of gave away what happens after boyfriend material, but you look up Alexis Hall's website and you will find that I there's mean, a sequel. <laughs> I feel like there's all sorts of ways they're supposed to telegraph if it's not a happily ever after. So right, and is <laughs> it not if it's a ro- romance? Is it not? Yeah, isn't it gonna work out in some way? Yeah. So yeah. highly recommend that if y'all are just looking for something funny and sweet and light. Mm. It's yeah. Well, I'm going to recommend uh, a novel called Time's Mouth mm. by Eden Lepucky. Oh, Eden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she wrote California and mm-hmm. Woman Number 17. Mm-hmm. And this novel is so, um, as a as a California raised, raised in Southern California and went to college at Santa Cruz, this book is partially set at UC Santa Cruz. There's a lot of great Santa Cruz and Californianess to it. But it's a it's a time travel novel. And you're following um, sort of a woman who, when she time travels, she can time travel just along the path of her life. But when she does it, it's such a, it's such a, um, it changes her entire environment around her. Wow. Um, So women like to hang out around her and get like a contact high from her going into her past. And so there's sort of this cult aspect of of this person. And so it's a really interesting t- time travel novel. Um, and it's also about cults and weirdo, like pseudoscience of California. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a little bit of, um, there's just all sorts of intriguing things about it. I just loved it. Um, I read it kind of slowly, which I never do these days. I read it over like two weeks. Oh, okay. Um, rather than just diving in and reading as fast as I can. Um, and I just, because it was just such a, like a sumptuous, you know, wow. sun-baked, okay. mm-hmm. very golden-hued read. Um, highly, highly recommend. If you liked California or Woman Number 17, I think this like brings her to new heights. I think oh, this is her yeah. best book she's done yet. Okay, I have to, because I've heard a lot about Eden. So I haven't had a chance to read Eden's work. So first you have time travel and now you have body swaps yeah. to look forward to. I, love it. <laughs> I, I like I like the high concept. What can I say? Your book has a high concept. I, I recommend and then, you know, forgive me not. Go pick it up, people. Yeah, it's out now. It's out now. It may be written for YA, but but anybody would enjoy it. Yeah, my friends have been feeling the feels. Especially, <laughs> they all love Petra. A lot of my friends love Petra. Yeah. So far. So they've been like, phew! 
Jen, it has been such a joy having you over. Everyone needs to go buy that book and check out your podcast, Minorities in Publishing. All of this will be linked on so many damn books.com. On the episode page, you can find every book that we mentioned as well as all the links to this stuff. And thank you so much for hanging out. This has been awesome. Thank you so much again for hosting and this beautiful drink. It's really refreshing. I hope people make it. Yeah, please do, guys. You can find the recipe also the same place. Yeah. So many damn books.com. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you.